Welcome to the Trilingual Podcaster, a show where our guests share their public speaking stories to help us all improve as speakers. We will also discuss presentation tools, technologies, and best practices with the best experts in the industry. My name is Chantal Bosset from Shabbos, leaders for your presentations, public speaking, and AV needs. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I first met him when I attended his conference in 2005. Yes, that was 14 years ago, and it is that good. That's why I keep going back. So my good friend, really happy to introduce you, Rick Altman. Welcome, Rick. Thanks, Chantel. Happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. And as I was mentioning to you, you were actually the first one telling me, when are you going to have men on your podcast? So you're actually the first one. You'll I'm have honored. that special spot. <laughs> I'm honored to be the token male in your podcast. That's going to be so fun. And even though I know you since 2005, I would like to give you the chance to explain what you're doing in life because yes, you're a busy entrepreneur. You do have a conference. So just give a, our listeners an idea so of what you're my, doing. My telephone rings even. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yes, you, you know me from, from the presentation summit. Um, once a year, I make everybody come to me. The other 50 or so weeks out of the year, I go to them. Uh, as a as a presentations consultant, I will uh, craft, customize, and deliver customized uh, training workshops within organizations um, uh, about pretty much all the tenets of of the presentation experience, from message crafting through presentation design, PowerPoint technique, and delivery. And generally, just about any organization I go to is weak on at least two of those four things, often three and many times four. <laughs> because as you know well, the deck is just so stacked against us. Everybody's undertrained in PowerPoint. Very few people have any background in design. Yeah. And, and we're all scared beyond death to speak in public. So there's a lot of job security in what we do, huh? <laughs> I totally agree with you. And I really like the way you focus it on the many points that people lack when you get in-house and train mm -hmm. their people. It's insane the, the number of times that they lack many of yeah. the information. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, the, 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 what my sweet spot is. There are, there are people who tell stories better than I. There are certainly people who, with more, uh, more design skills than, than I have. Um, there are people that run rings around me uh, in PowerPoint knowledge. And there are speaker coaches that have been doing it for longer than I. But there aren't that many people that, that integrate all four of these things uh, and, and bring them to, to companies. So um, I guess, as Albert Einstein said, I'd rather know nothing about everything than everything about nothing. <laughs> I'm amazing. the real generalist here. <laughs> and I can relate to that because in my French-speaking world, I must say that I'm probably almost the only one that does it end-to-end -to -end too. So I That's totally right. understand where you are with your public mm -hmm. and your, the companies that you visit. 
So now that people know a little bit more about you, I would be tempted to go into those more personal questions. When was your first experience as a public speaker and how was it? No, oh, it was awful. Um, I, I remember it well. Um, I was taking a class, a continuing education class at Stanford University uh, for people that, that wanted to, um, uh, I, I was in publishing back then. Um, I, I, had, um, I was the editor of a tennis magazine and, um, and I wanted to, um, to, to publish, I wanted to create some sort of publication on my own. Desktop publishing had just started to get invented. It was the coolest thing. And um, so I took this class at Stanford, and um, one of the assignments, the ongoing assignments, this was like a week-long course, was to, to make up a, a magazine. And I remember several of us, we, we made up this magazine for beer drinkers, you know, for beer aficionados. <laughs> now, there probably are plenty now, but at the time, there, I don't think there were any. And, um, and we had to like give a proposal about how we were going to get an audience and how we were going to start uh, this magazine for, for, for beer drinkers. And, wow. um, and I don't even remember what my particular role was or what, what I was speaking on, but we all had to just give a, small, a short presentation about, about how we were going to do all these things. And I over-prepared. I, I wrote down, I took copious notes um, I was a writer. That's what I, that's what I, I, I came to all of this from writing. So I wrote, I wrote a speech and I had it in front of me on index cards. And that was the first time I learned what I now call one of my universal axioms. Yeah. That if you are confronted with fully formed thoughts, it is practically impossible to not just read them. You know, this is, as you and I know, this is death by PowerPoint. You put all this stuff on a slide and you then read it all. Well, I learned back then, and this was back, I don't know, I mean, I was before I was married, it was in the 1980s, um, the, uh, how powerful that is. Because I'm standing up in front of, a, of, of, well, I don't know, we were, we were 200 people or so, and I couldn't look at them. All I could do was look at my index cards because I was riveted to these, these complete sentences that I had written down. And um, so my, my, first, my first time speaking in public was uh, something very much less than a success. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a very valuable lesson then. And that's interesting because as you mentioned it, you said you over-prepared. Big and, time. And these days we often have people we say they underprepared mm. or never prepared mm. enough mm -hmm. so you are at the other end of the spectrum that's right that's interesting yeah and since then i know that you have done so many other speaking gigs and so many things in our industry and you've improved to the other end of the spectrum but during that time did you have any other challenging experience that you would like to share with the listeners <sighs> Well, I would say um, there's no end to challenges when you host a conference. True. When you are bringing 200 people, and that's, by the way, considered a small number. We're considered a boutique conference at 200 people. But still, I mean, that's, you know, that, that's you know, they're, they're, as you well know, you've been attending for a long time, uh, and you're friends with everybody that, put the, the, that, that runs the thing. I mean, you, yeah. you've been behind the scenes. The, the kimono's open to you. You know I mean, all <laughs> these challenges. They're, they're, it, you cannot anticipate 
the things that might go wrong when there are 200 people attending, two dozen presenters, concurrent seminars, all, all these moving parts. And um, uh, so I, I guess what I would say is what I've learned is that, is that, you'll, that you cannot prepare for these things. Um, there's no way that you can run a perfect conference. And that kind of reminds me of one of the things I tell my clients that audiences don't want perfect presenters. Absolutely. They want people, they want people that they feel are just like them. And it's the same thing with, with conference management. If we ran a perfect conference, it, it probably wouldn't go very well. People would think that we're all robots or something. I sure. mean, showing some of the seams and, uh, and, and feeling and giving the impression to, the, to, to our patrons that, that, that we're human, that we're just like them. We're all going to roll with these things together. Whatever comes up, we'll deal with it. And together we will create a really nice experience. So that, that's sort of the, the macrocosm, if if that's a word of the of, of the advice I give to my my clients that you don't want to be perfect. Being perfect is not the aspiration here. Absolutely, and actually, that's probably the first thing I learned attending your conference, and I've applied and also taught it to so many people ever since that there's no need to be perfect on stage because mm -hmm. then we're not relatable. We just seem like unattainable perfect people and we cannot teach them how to improve themselves that's right yeah and I, I think you said the magic word there Chantel relatable because I think that if I look back on the legacy of our conference I would use that would be one of the words I would use is that people can really relate to our conference there's a real human element to it that um, that 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 has helped spawn the community that um, that that people have cherished and it's not because we, we're perfect it's because we're relatable absolutely and you have that little family twist to it a big what that's why every year I think we call it our adult summer camp all the time yeah i like calling it that too yeah <laughs> that's true and now moving on the other side of the public speaking arena is what would be your greatest memory of everything you've done that you've done for public speaking yeah okay well i'm not going to move too far from the conference um uh there are two that come to mind and the first is the debut in 2003 um, when 180 people showed up that first time. <laughs> and the feeling in the room was just so incredible because everybody knew that they were attending this thing that, 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 was, that, that was a debut. It was the first time, and nobody knew what to expect, least of all I. And, <laughs> and I remember uh, just greeting everybody uh, and in the first few minutes, just you know, welcoming them. I don't remember what I said, but everybody clapped and it was like, wow, you know, everyone's in this together. This is such a cool vibe. What a great experience. And, um, and I, again, I don't remember what I said. It was not memorable. Um, that first conference was unremarkable. We were in a converted holiday inn. We were like in the basement practically. That's where the <laughs> ballrooms were. There, there really wasn't too much that, that distinguished that first conference, but, um, uh, but it was very, very special because uh, you know now 17 years later, <laughs> you know we're we're still doing it. So we did something right that year. Uh, I remember just how how special that buzz was. 
that, that's, that's one of two. The second one was 2013, and that was, that was in, in Fort Lauderdale. You remember it well. Yeah. Um, that was mom, my mother's last year as our registration manager. You were mentioning the family feel. One of those yes. is that, that my mother was the first face that people saw at the conference, and, um, and I saw fit to, to make fun of her. And I'm, I want to try to remember what it was. She, um, she, she had a really good comeback. Um, she, she had, uh, bless her heart and rest her soul. She had just one of the best senses of humor and her jokes were often off color. Oh, she and, was indeed. Yeah. Oh and yeah. I'm remembering it now. Somebody asked, can I bring my, um, not husband, my boyfriend, that's what she said. Can I bring my boyfriend with me to the conference? This is the question that somebody asked. And I said, hey, mom, I think you should answer this one. <laughs> and she, she said, well, there are no restrictions to who, who you want to cavort with. Um, should you want him to share your hotel room with you? And, and, and she had several criteria for doing this. It was just hysterical. I showed this on screen to everybody. And the woman who asked the question was there in the room. And I knew that she would be a good sport about this. Well, this just brought the house down. I did not expect this to happen. Uh, and it was, it was just one of the funniest openings that we've ever had. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was mom's last time. Uh, and as you know, she passed away two years later. Yes. Uh, but but her, her legacy at the conference uh, was, was complete. And, um, and perhaps in a, in a, in a nice way, um, that, that joke she told that we, that we uh, immortalized <laughs> that year yes. sealed that legacy. <laughs> and she was so nice to everyone. And that relates, when I said you, you, the conference makes, uh, the team makes it relatable for all the attendees, the patrons, and your mom was part of it. Yeah. Because even my sons, when they attended with us two years apart, it was four years apart, but two times, they always said, oh, she's so nice with yeah. us. And I, they had to go and fetch her every time they were moving around so we would know where they were at on, in the complex area. So that was really yeah. fun. So it's a very nice memory. I totally agree with you. Yeah, her badge just said the mom. The and mom. referred to her as the mom. True, and everyone was using the mom because that's who she was. She was that's a mom right. to almost everyone. She was everybody's mother at the <laughs> conference, yes. <laughs> oh, such great memories. Mm -hmm. Rick, now that you've been doing speeches and uh, training sessions and all that stuff, and you've seen so many people do so too, mm -hmm. um, well, how do you prepare or what do you consider good preparation now that we also know that you over-prepared yeah. the first time? <laughs> Well, so those are actually two different questions. How do I prepare and how do I, uh, how do I uh, help others prepare? Well, address both. That would be interesting. Yeah. So, so for me, having learned from my Stanford disaster, <laughs> <laughs> I now know that, 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 again, for me, the fewer notes, the better. 
I, 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 I might very well take notes, but now I know that my notes should be just as simple as possible, just one or two words. Um, and if I can really do it without notes at all, I, I would prefer that. And so for me, the important thing is that I see the talk in my head, that I can picture, I can create a mental picture of the arc, of the narrative arc mm -hmm. of of the story that I want to tell. And in fact, the way I do it, and this is actually what I do advise my clients, is to build a clock. For some reason, that when it's circular, uh, it's easier for people to see in their head. That's been my experience. So I build a clock, and, um, and if, if we're gonna start at 12 and we're gonna end at 12, then what, 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 what are the first few things I wanna say? What happens at one o'clock and two o'clock? Mm -hmm. And I'll just write down a word or two at one and two o'clock, three and four o'clock. Do I wanna, how do I wanna build up a particular part of the story? That'll happen then at five o'clock, six o'clock. I'll just write down word, just one or two words and then I, as I look at this, and it's not many, many pages, and it's just this, this, this clock with this, you know, this circular thing, it's really easy for me to keep that in my head. And um, I believe that if you, if you can nail your transitions, you're, you are on your way to being a really good presenter. People freak out because they forget what they're going to say next. Yes. People don't forget what they're saying as they're saying it. They forget what they're going to say next, and then they have their freak out moment for that. <laughs> so if you can know, if you can see your talk in your head so you know where you're going, then you really, you barely, you barely need any notes beyond that. Um, and, and if I can practice my clock, and, and, by, and, and so I really don't uh, it's re I don't very often say my talks out loud. And this is where some of my colleagues will disagree with me. Uh, <laughs> they, they say that, no, you should prepare out loud. And, 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 and this is a time where I don't impose this on anybody else. Everybody's different about that. Yes. Um, so I don't tell my clients, no, you shouldn't, you know, rehearse your talk out loud. That, that has to be a personal thing. But for me, seeing it in my head, so like I can go to bed at night a few nights before, give, before I'm going to give this talk and I just sort of mentally rehearse how I want to, to um, orchestrate this whole thing. That is actually better for me than standing up and rehearsing. I'm going to have faith that, 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 that because I know what I want to say, I'll formulate the words in the moment. And if I stumble upon a word or two, that's okay because audiences don't want perfect presenters. Absolutely. And I really like your clock analogy. That's the first time I heard you mm -hmm. talk about it. And that's really a nice way to put it because if you see your high level yeah. of your structure, then it doesn't matter. You should not need to have a formal script to it. And I can relate to that a lot because yeah. I, I realize I don't, practice a lot out loud either because mm -hmm. I usually make sure that okay I have about that much time for me the timing is also in my head when mm -hmm. I kind of rehearse by myself but I really like that I'm sure some listeners yeah. will be able to apply that to themselves at least try it yeah well good that would be great now now for some people though the clock won't be enough the True. clock will help orient them and then they will 
want to build it out a little bit more uh, into, into notes. And that's perfectly fine as long as you're, as long as you're not writing a speech. Uh-huh. Uh, um, so, so that's where I, you know, I'm not going to impose my own beliefs on, on other people. Um, but one way or the other, yes, this clock analogy is really helpful for orienting the thought. Some people won't need to go beyond that. Others will then use that as the basis for, you know, an index card per topic or, or uh, how, however they might want to do it. That's the part that's too personal for me to, to believe that, that we can all do this the same way. I totally agree. And it all comes down to the proof that there's not one miracle recipe. Right. Everyone needs to adapt what's in the industry right now and make it their own so they're comfortable delivering their speeches or their training sessions, making sure that it, they stand in front of a room and they are themselves. Not they so are themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, we're already almost at the end, and I would like you to share what would be your one important tip so people will just embrace public speaking and try it and have fun doing it. Lose the polish. <laughs> <laughs> that, this just circles back to... To, to, so I guess the theme of this of this particular conversation, Chantel, is imperfection, huh? <laughs> because yeah. like keep coming I, back I, to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I sometimes say I'm perfectly imperfect. Yeah. Exactly. Very well said. <laughs> yeah. I I, I think I will. I think I'll borrow that. Sure. Um, you know, lose the pot. People just don't want you out there. Uh, you know, perfectly quaffed. Uh, you know, not a hair out of place. Uh, you know, standing with poise, having obviously rehearsed the first several sentences or more, you know, with the clicker in hand, uh, with, you know, slides changing behind the person, not even, you know, looking back to see. Um, I, I, we just see too many robots out there and um, nobody wants that. So, yeah, oh, that, that's, that's the tip. Feel good. <laughs> What we're hoping, what we're trying to do is we're trying to eliminate as many barriers as possible between speaker and audience. Yes. Lord knows there are plenty of them. And all too often, PowerPoint slides themselves become barriers. Everybody's so nervous. We know that, that, that nerves are, are a barrier also. Oh, we're yeah. trying to eliminate these barriers. Too much polish is certainly one of them. We're trying to get presenters to show their most genuine self in front of their audiences. There are, there are many, many ways that you might get there, but that's what you're trying to do is just, is just is be, become the most authentic version of yourself so you can really then develop a, a bond, some intimacy, if you will, with your audience. They're not going to make decisions. Whatever it is that you're speaking about, whether you're trying to get them to, to learn something, buy something, believe in something, they're not going to make any of these decisions based on what they think. Sure. Facts and figures are not going to get you there. You need to reach your audiences on, on levels far deeper than that. You need to, to touch their emotions. And one of the most powerful emotions of all, in my opinion, is trust. And, and the way you can, you can create trust with your audience is, is through authenticity. Yes, you need to know what you're talking about. You need to demonstrate expertise. 
and, and, and vision and perspective. But when you share passion with your audience in whatever form it might come out, that's really the secret sauce to all of this. Oh, what a great way to end this interview. I'm so happy that you shared that. I totally agree with you. And I think it's, even though, like you said, we're rounding up to imperfection. Well, if people can remember, stop trying to just put on, putting in too much and just be relatable and make sure that people will, yeah, trust them, but they'll be able to connect with them. That's the trick. Perfectly imperfect. Yes. Said. <laughs> and you know what, Rick, I'll make sure that people can reach out to you because I want to make sure they have a link so they know a little bit more about your book, The Why Most PowerPoint Presentations Suck, which is something really interesting to read. And I'll make sure that they can also reach out and have more information about their conference, which is, give me the dates. October 6th through the 9th chapter and verse at presentationsummit.com. Yes. So thank you again, Rick. It was such a pleasure. Thanks, Chantel. I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased to be the first man in your podcast. Yes, that was worth asking for. Now you're the first one. <laughs> All right. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please tell us what you think by commenting and share the show with your own networks to spread the stories and knowledge. If you have ideas or topics you would like to hear about on the show, let us know. You can drop us a line at podcast at shabos, C -H -A -B -O -S .ca. 